Welcome to The Pillars, the podcast of the 363rd ISR Wing of the United States Air Force. I'm Chaplain Jim Bridgham. And I'm Sergeant Ackerberg. On each episode of The Pillars, we find a brief resilience topic so you can practically fix any potential roadblocks you encounter and finish a better wingman, airman, and leader. Today, we have the privilege of having the Vice Commander, Colonel Patrick Sutherland, here with us. He is the Vice Commander of the 363rd ISR Wing. He leads 1,400 active duty and 1,700 Air Reserve component personnel, conducting all-source intelligence analysis, targeting operations, and special operations ISR. He's done a number of things in his career, and today we're going to ask him some questions about how he does resiliency for himself, how he leads, and who he is as a person. Sergeant Ackerberg. So, yes, thank you for joining us today, sir. Well, thanks for having me. It's a... It's actually my privilege to be here. Uh, you guys have become somewhat of a celebrity uh, across the Air Force, I think, but really also in my own home. So oh, I can't wait. Uh, I can't wait for my kids to to hear this and critique my performance. Right. Today, so. <laughs> so give a shout out, right? Yeah. <laughs> all right, kids. When you hear this, go easy on your old man. Yeah. So. All right. Um, so we'd love to kind of get an idea a little bit about um, who you are as a person, sir. Um, so, well, anything you'd like to share with us in general? I know we gave you kind of official bio. Yeah. Well, um, so who I am as a person. Uh, so I'm a I'm a number of things. I have a number of roles in life. I think as as just about all of us do. You know, I'm a son. Uh, I'm a father. I'm a husband. Uh, I'm an airman. Um, but uh, I was I was a military brat, Air Force brat, growing up. Uh, but I spent most of my time in Texas, and. Uh, and then came on active duty right after college and met my wife in my second assignment. And uh, we now have three kids, and, uh, and she definitely is the better half, uh, for those of you that know her. Uh, it's, it's a pretty easy conclusion to come to when you meet us. She is definitely the better half. Um, things that are most important to me, uh, faith, family, freedom. Awesome. Keep it in, keep it in, that, uh, in that order. Um, and that has not steered us uh, wrong. So. Awesome. So what were your thoughts when you were selected to be the vice commander of this brand new wing? Uh, well, first of all, it was a huge honor um, to, to get selected. Um, the second thing was I, I realized, man, I got a lot to learn. I have a ton to learn. Um, and as I, as I started learning more about what this wing does, who it is, where it came from, um, it, it just became obvious I had more to learn. Uh, so, uh, it was it was good news uh, to get selected for this uh, assignment. Uh, number one, because I love being as close to the mission and to the airmen as possible. Um, I've been very fortunate uh, over the last several assignments where uh, the Air Force could have sent me to uh, any number of assignments, uh, but for some reason I continue to get to to do jobs that is close to mission and airmen. Uh, so as long as we can keep that going, I think uh, I think that's a good streak. Okay, so, so for all those high rankings, wink, wink, if you'd like to keep working <laughs> with but, the airmen. Yeah, but just a huge honor and a, and a privilege. Awesome. What makes our wing unique? Oh, man, uh, I'm not sure we have enough time on the podcast, <laughs> but uh, uh, I'll throw this out there. So the diversity uh, of our wing uh, can be seen by some as maybe a challenge, hmm. uh, but I think it's a strength. Uh, so every day we are thinking about 
the missionaries of Special Ops Soft ISR, uh, we're thinking about analysis, we're thinking about targeting, and we're thinking about uh, advanced testing and training. So that is a broad, broad mission set uh, to have in one wing. Um, so, so I think first and foremost, what makes our wing unique is the is the breadth that we have. We're also geographically separated. So we have uh, locations all across the world spanning from Japan to England and uh, you know, spots in between in the CONUS. So uh, that provides some, some coordination challenges, uh, but uh, in that regard, again, there are some opportunities because we get to see perspectives that uh, you know, a, an organization that is confined to just one locale, one base, uh, doesn't get those. So I think it's a strength. Now, in light of that, the geographically separated nature of the wing, which is part of the reason we started this podcast, mm-hmm. was to reach all of our yeah. folks all over the world, different time zones, et cetera. The approach to resiliency can be unique and normal, uh, not necessarily that we aren't normal. I think maybe we're above average, is a good way to say that. But a, a wing is generally located at one base, with some exceptions and, and uh, some notable ones at that. In this case, how do we run resilience through Project Strong in our wing? So, uh, really, I'm going to turn this back around and, and compliment you guys. Um, so when I showed up, uh, you know, trying to figure out which way is up and learn all this stuff about our mission areas and where we're located and all the initiatives going on, um, I got to tell you, one of the, if not the top bright spot walking in was you, your team, the Airman Resili- Resiliency Team. Uh, and, and I, believe it or not, I had seen an AFN commercial uh, in my previous job. Uh, I was in the, in, the, in the dining facility there in Qatar, and, uh, and I saw this story about this, uh, this team that was on iTunes and doing this podcast thing, and I thought, oh, that's, that's kind of cool. Uh, little did I know I would be uh, uh, getting that job uh, to be the vice wing commander and then... Uh, and certainly never, never imagined you guys would, would uh, have the audacity to extend an invitation to interview me. Uh, but you guys are really driving resiliency across this wing in creative ways that I think the rest of the Air Force is going to model itself after. So this podcast is one of them. Uh, the quick hitter, Five Minutes to Thrive, is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but resiliency, I think, for our wing is is really where we got to get to, and where you're driving us to is is that embedded organic unit level care, embedded care. So, uh, good news. Just saw an email this morning. I think you saw it as well. Uh, that we just uh, we're looking at in place no later than end of January 2019 mm-hmm. for four of our units to have uh, mental health techs assigned. Um, so we're looking at Hurlburt, Cannon, uh, yes. and Nellis. So I'm sorry, I said four. So it's three. Um, so that's great news because it's all about trust at the unit level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you trust the people that you interact with on a daily basis. Uh, so to me, that is a huge step forward. Um, a couple of other things that you guys have led uh, is along the same lines, it's that trust that's built at the unit level. So putting in uh, some social workers. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now we're trying to get social workers at about seven of our seven of our sites. 
so that's in process, work in process. So fingers crossed uh, that we'll, we'll we'll be able to make that happen. Yes, sir. Uh, and then uh, just you guys have brought such an energy uh, to Airman Resiliency, uh, so I can't thank you enough. Thanks, so, sir. This probably wasn't designed to be a, a big pat on your back session, but <laughs> but I got yeah, I have the mic. Literally, I have the mic now, so <laughs> I I'm gonna I'm gonna say thank you. Uh, you guys are the unsung heroes. Well, and you may have heard some breaking glass in the background for those listening. That we're just breaking glass, literally, figuratively, yeah. <laughs> everywhere. We think everyone's okay, so we'll press yeah. on. So for resilience, personally, we all have things we do in ourselves, uh, doing our own time. That's fitness activities, uh, meditation, mindfulness, journaling, things we eat, or in this case, drink. So what? <laughs> what are some morning rituals you have that help you maintain your <clears throat> resilience in your day? Yeah, sure. Um, so. Uh, I, I mentioned my family earlier, so when I get up in the morning, um, I'm up before they are, and if you, if you know my wife, she loves her sleep. Uh, so I do my best to tiptoe around the house and not wake her up, not wake the kids up. Uh, so that can be a bit of a challenge uh, some mornings. But uh, So what I, what I do pretty much every morning is uh, I have to exercise in the morning. If it, if it doesn't happen in the morning for me, it's just not going to happen. So uh, I exercise. Uh, most days I will spend some time uh, just reflecting and reading uh, for at least a few minutes. Uh, and that, that sets the tone for the rest of the day. Uh, and then uh, after I'm done exercising and cooling down, that's when I'll break out uh, the, the, the work iPad and just check emails mm-hmm. uh, just to see what, uh, what's transpired uh, since the last I looked. Uh, and, and while I'm doing that, uh, I know, Chaplain, you, you, you've <laughs> raised your eyebrow a few times at, at what, I'm, what I'm drinking. So I have my morning, uh, my breakfast, and it sustains me for the first part of the, or really over half the day. So uh, I take out a blender mm-hmm. and uh, I make a smoothie. And my kids hate my smoothie, uh, which, in which is fine because then I get to have my smoothie. Everything else they, you know... I mean, it's a it's an interesting weird so, shade of so green what, and brown. Yeah. So what's in the smoothie? All right. So yeah. uh, I put spinach in there, uh, banana, uh, sometimes carrots. Uh, I put in some tropical fruit, frozen tropical fruit, and uh, I use typically pomegranate juice, uh, maybe a little vanilla almond milk. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I've got going on okay. in there. Typically. And when going back to the exercise piece, what does that look like for you on an average day? Sure. So um, I do some sit-ups. I do some push-ups. I do some uh, some sets. So I'll, I'll max out, and then I'll uh, do some sets. And then I go on about a two – it's about a two-mile run. And I, and I, I stopped calling it a run because it's so slow. <laughs> uh, I, I call it a transit. So I, I just transit for about two miles. Mm. So that's, that's what awesome. And uh, so that's really good, too. It's a good note for people listening that exercising and then that reflection in the morning, whether it's a five-minute journal, writing things down for gratitude, that's an important part of our day. Also, exercise tends to be correlated with upper-level leadership, tends to be correlated by working out early in the morning. And you can find this out by going to any average gym, uh, even especially base gyms. You'll notice that's the time of day people are there. It just generally shows up because most people who aspire to senior leadership don't have a lot of time at the end of the day. No offense for those of you who will email us that you work out at the end of the day, but hey, we're just letting you know mm-hmm. that's the correlation that's present. 
So you asked about uh, my morning routine, and and I, and I mentioned that you know I got to kind of be quiet and, and, and not wake up my uh, my wife and my family. So uh, the other day, uh, my daughter, she's twelve, and she comes into our room, and it was like four in the morning, and she wakes us up, and she says, she says, Daddy, there's a bird flying around in my room. I was like, there's, there's not a bird flying around in your room. She's been watching uh, a lot of Harry Potter and reading a lot of Harry Potter because she is uh, going to go on a trip with her mom to uh, Universal. So she's getting all ready for it. And I'm thinking to myself, she just watched a Harry Potter movie. She's, you know, clearly seeing things. So, But I get up and I go uh, to demonstrate my love and care for her. I get up and I go into her room and I, I flip the light on and I look around and there's... Shockingly, right? There's no bird in her room. So I go back to bed. So I was a little tired that morning, but I got up and I did my morning routine. And uh, and I'm at work a couple hours later. And my wife calls. And she is like short of breath, scared to death. She says, I think there is a bat in our house. Oh, no. I was like, oh, okay. So... I, uh, and she's, I wouldn't say hyperventilating, but she, she's on her way to hyperventilating. And so uh, I calmly just say, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to look up uh, pest control options there uh, near our house, and, and let me look that up for you real quick. And, of course, the nipper net blocks me from, from trying to get... Uh, yeah, global security. To, yeah, yeah. So eventually I was able to find a number, and I give her this number. <laughs> Uh, and I said, call me back with any updates. And so uh, eventually she does uh, get back in touch with me. And she's, she got in touch with another different company that handles uh, bats, apparently. And so uh, but the challenge was she had to run our other kids to a camp. And so she's asking, hey, can you, can you come home while the guy is here taking care of this? And I said, okay, I can do that. So I, I, I was able to go home and cover uh, – breakaway and so I get there and yep sure enough I walk in into the house and and uh, we have some pretty high ceilings in our in our living room area and so this bat is asleep but you know doing the bat thing it's stuck on a wall way up towards the ceiling and uh, uh, it's about 20 maybe 25 26 feet up uh, ceiling and so uh, I'm like well that, I wonder if that bat was there while I was here this morning doing my morning routine um, so the guy shows up. He brings in his 24-foot ladder, and he, he gets up there and, and uh, secures the bat. Um, and I have great video of my wife uh, and how she handled this. And so uh, at some point that may go viral if, if I share that with the, with the world. Although uh, I do love my wife, and I, I love my marriage, so I'm not sure that that will mm. make it to Facebook or to uh, YouTube. Anyway, so uh, I'm on my way back to work, and... Uh, uh, I talked to my wife, and she's she's much more calm now. She's she's starting to breathe, and literally, she launches into hysterics because now she sees a frog. A frog is now in the house. Oh my goodness! And so it was utter biblical, uh, you know, issues. Chaplain, help me out. You know, yeah. If the water turns to blood, yeah, you've got a bigger problem. it was yeah. it was uh, it was quite the day, and uh, uh, so the lesson here is, um, I was right. 
There was no bird in the house. <laughs> uh, but uh, you should always, always really listen. And maybe I should have looked even harder for this bird that was flying around. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness, you know, the bat didn't do anything to my daughter as she was sleeping uh, in her room. But we did get rid of the bat. Uh, and we, we figured out it probably somehow came through the, the chimney. Mm. And so we just got to make sure that the... The, that it was sealed up. So I think we're I think we're in better shape now. So you should always believe your children. I think the amazing part of the story isn't just tiptoeing around a bat or the whole child part uh, part of the story, but the fact that there's a bat removal company here and <laughs> that this is prevalent enough. So this is funny. This guy removal. shows up and uh, his name was Dan. He, he said people just call me Trapper Dan. And so Trapper Dan came in and, and hmm. uh, he's he said. You know, I, I can't find my glove. Do you happen to have a glove? I'm like, well, yeah, I'll find you a glove. And I found a glove. And he, he, he scales up the 24-foot ladder, and he is literally pulling the bat off of It's like peeling a bat off of a wall. And he throws it into a, uh, a pillowcase. And the bat just loses his, you know, bat he goes right. bat. Crazy. Right? So, yeah, exactly. So the, uh, uh, and we got that on video, too. But, uh, oh, so then here's what we do yesterday uh, or Saturday. Uh, my wife is out. Uh, she comes home at noon, and I and we had this plan, uh, me and the kids. So we, we were going to tell her that there was a bat back up in, in our daughter's room. And she immediately is like, this is crazy. No way. She, <laughs> she literally has her phone out, and she's about to call Trapper Dan again. <laughs> and so uh, I go in, and I get a pillowcase. And I have my daughter's iPod where we have teed up on YouTube the same noise that the bat made. And so I throw, my son has this little mini baseball bat, and I throw it into the into the pillowcase, and I put my daughter's iPod, and I turn that sound on, and I come downstairs with it, and I'm shaking it in front of her, and she's loose. She runs out the front door, and I'm chasing oh, her with it, and I pull out the bat. <laughs> And she was not happy. <laughs> but but it was fun. And, uh, and so, uh, yeah. So so I have to be quiet in the morning, uh, in my morning routine. Uh, but anyway, that's that's typically what I do. Uh, now I will always look up and see when I'm doing my sit-ups and my push-ups if there is any Somebody. bats in my house. Just was, in case. Yeah. crazy. But it's cool because yeah. he's just doing his bat thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, sir... Um, can you refresh my memory? What is your alumni? Who are you tied to college football-wise? Ah, okay. So I am a, I am a Texas A&M Aggie, graduated okay. uh, from there. And uh, yeah, I don't know what direction this is going. but uh, <laughs> Well, I have uh, been asked to ask a very specific question, so I wanted to make sure <laughs> I'll PC it the best I can, but... Okay. So uh, how how does your resiliency come into play when your team might not do so hot all the time? Wow. So, so this is <laughs> – all right, so so college football season is, is – is approaching it's upon us mm-hmm. which is like the greatest the greatest time of the year for me uh, amen there it, it is amen. it is awesome uh, but okay I'll admit it's been a rough couple decades mm-hmm. for us so uh, how, how do I how do I handle it I gotta tell you it used to really really bother me mm-hmm. uh, but you know in life don't sweat the small stuff mm-hmm. and generally speaking almost everything is small stuff so while I'm passionate about my about my school and about my team, 
it is just a game. Uh, now, if we're on the verge of like actually winning a championship, I may change my <laughs> attitude, but uh, but that's what keeps me in check. That's awesome. So if you had to recommend uh, for those listening ways for an airman, he's you know whether he or she are at Nellis or um, in Japan or wherever, how to stay resilient, just a recommendation. What would be your top recommendations for them? Well, I think I think uh, what you have pushed in the content that you all have pushed is all brilliant. It's great. Uh, having an attitude of gratitude, it starts with that. Mm. It really does. So, uh, you know, in our life, in my family's life, we've had some tough times, but I would say that our tough times pale in comparison to uh, many other families out there. Uh, but we have had some. And so those times will come. Uh, I can remember a stretch of time in, in 2010 where we just had a series of significant events occur in our family and an extended family that were very difficult. Um, and so, so those days or those times, those, those seasons will happen. Um, so if, if you're physically fit, if you stay working out, if you have an attitude of gratitude, uh, you're going to be able to make it through. Uh, I, I think that's important uh, because no matter what your circumstances, somebody always has it worse. Mm-hmm. Somebody always has it worse, uh, and I've seen that uh, in our lives. Um, I think you got to have some trusted people in your life that you can turn to and have honest conversations uh, that the, they can help hold you accountable uh, that is absolutely critical. If, if you don't have somebody that you can talk to and it all stays bottled up, that's, uh, that's not good. You gotta, you, gotta, you gotta have that inner circle. Um, so I, w- I would recommend uh, everything you guys are talking about here, physical fitness, attitude of gratitude, and just have a tight inner circle that you can lean on that will hold you accountable and be honest with each other. That's awesome, yeah. Any last asks, any other comments you'd like to make before we end? So I would just like to say uh, to the airmen on our wing, um, it's, hard to, it's hard to express how amazing you are. So I've, I've had the opportunity to go around to several of our units. Uh, unfortunately, I have not made it out to all of our units. Um, but it is inspiring to go out and see what our airmen are doing. It is incredible. And I know you guys get to go on the road every so often, and, and, and you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So my concern is, is that often it'll come across as lip service, as just talking points. But really, uh, I am so impressed and proud with what our airmen are doing. It is mind-blowing. Uh, everything from executing the day-to-day mission uh, to responding in a big way on how to transform our organization Mm. for the digital age. It is incredible. So I just want to say thanks. It is, it is very impressive. Uh, So that's, that's for, that's for all the airmen in the wing. Uh, We couldn't be more proud and thank you enough. Yeah. Well, we want to thank you for listening to The Pillars, the podcast of the 363rd ISR Wing of the United States Air Force. I'm Chaplain Jim Bridgham. I'm Sergeant Ackerberg. 
And I'm Colonel Pat Sutherland. And sir, again, thank you for being here today. Thank we you. very much appreciate thank it. Thank you so much. And again, we also thank you for what you do for our nation. And if you need us, please reach out to us in the global address list or hopefully our forthcoming Twitter account. And we just hope you have a great day. Mm-hmm.